You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the diamond at Hawks Field at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to Herd at Sports Radio. We are here with you on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and joining now on the 9 o'clock hour, KFOR in Lincoln. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me today. We are having all sorts of terrific discussions about <laughs> things that probably don't matter um like a it's the best type of radio it is like a flag football uh olympic team that may or may not ever happen because they haven't decided if it's going to be the olympics or not yet uh but what is or should happen is you should head on down to warhorse sportsbook oh that's where i'm at once a week in lincoln once a week they are the best place in nebraska to place your sports bets you can go down in person they've got plenty of kiosks plenty of sports book tellers to take your wagers you can what would an over-under on flag football look like, like on a typical game? Probably an arena line. It yeah. would probably be a lot like an arena football line. Probably. So high. I think you could probably, you know, I, I, whatever props and bets you want to put out there, Warhorse Sportsbook has you covered as well. You can get their app. you got live lines and things like that. You can build your wagers, then go to the casino, scan the QR code. And, and who am I kidding? I'm make the actual three times a week. <laughs> make the actual <laughs> bet from there. Go to warhorsecasino.com slash sportsbook for more information. Um, we are waiting on our friend Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7. Mike J. Schaefer, put out the bat signal for Schaefer. Come on now. I don't know. Is that it? Is that the Schaefer signal? I don't know if that's – does he respond to bird calls? <laughs> Oh look, there he is. No, I'm just kidding. I was hey, if that worked, that that's incredible. Uh you and you and Shafe have a connection I didn't even know about. Just the bird calls to each Gosh, other. Gosh, when I, I talked with Shafe, this was a couple of months ago. He was doing interviews of media members in town, mm-hmm. like just across the board, and he asked if I would uh, hop on the podcast with him, and uh, we had some good conversation there, which we can have more of because He's he back. answered he, the call. He He's answered, here. He answered the bird call. Uh we appreciate uh, Mike J. Schaefer for joining us as always. Schaefer, what's going on, man? Well, not much. How we doing? Schaefer, what's going on, my guy? I it's been uh, it's been a minute, Andrew. It has. How, it- uh, how are you feeling about the Justin Fields revolution? <laughs> this always <laughs> happens, like for six games. You'll get six good weeks out of Justin Fields, and that's about it. But let's also not skip past that the Bears beat two bad teams. Very bad. 
Like, yeah. Washington is not a good team. No. And uh, the team before that was, well, he, he didn't beat they Denver. Lost. No, but should have been. Yeah, <laughs> they, they should have beat Denver. Denver but, but he played well in that game. He did play. He's but played well two weeks in a row. Their high school offense can go up against Minnesota's defense here this week. Can't they, wait. They have a chance of winning that game. So, I was the most excited person the Bears won last week because it means that their first win wouldn't be against Minnesota this week. So, do we still in, have in the, essence, everybody was happy. You know? <laughs> do we still have the one and two pick locked up right now temporarily? Essentially. Yeah, I think so with the Carolina pick. Yeah, is there – you know, I, I think I asked this question last week or I was thinking about it. Is there a franchise you would trust less with the first two picks in a draft <laughs> than the Bears in any sport? Mm. The St. Louis Rams. Is there is there a choice? Is there a is there any franchise? Well, you can we like? get in a time machine and take like the <laughs> 1990s Clippers? Yes, that would be bad. Yeah. yeah, 90s Clippers would not be well equipped. Um, today, oh. the answer might be the Bears. It's up there. Not, not to make you more depressed about your football team. Or yeah, can't wait till April. <laughs> <Andrew>. <laughs> <laughs> well, knowing the 49ers, they'd pick somebody with the first or second pick. It'd no. be a total bust, no, and then they'd get somebody in the seventh here's, round. That here's, how this, here's how this will go. The, they'll have the first overall pick, but Caleb Williams won't want to go there. Yeah, so because he already openly stated that he'll, he'll go only back play to for five teams. He'll go back to college. Um, go play for Lincoln again another year. Correct. So the Bears will keep fields, and then they'll trade the, the number one pick. And they're going to want to get Marvin Harrison, right? That's going to be what the Bears want. And then whoever gets the number one pick is going to draft Marvin Harrison from (laughs) underneath them. And then the Bears are going to have to settle with somebody they didn't really want. Or they'll trade out of that pick, too. And I'll get so hyped for the first two picks of the draft. And you'll get neither of them. And end up with picks for days. For years. To follow. (laughs) For years. (laughs) Who's the consensus third quarterback behind Drake May and – I and don't, Caleb Williams. I don't know that there is a consensus third. I mean, you've got a I cluster. I keep hearing how great this quarterback draft is, and it's like, isn't it just Caleb Williams and Drake May if you're into Drake May? Like, right. I don't know. Is Riley Leonard up there? He's up there. There's a there's a cluster of guys, I think, from um, – I think anywhere from Riley Leonard. Some people like Michael Penix as a first-round quarterback – um, I think some people are talking about J.J. McCarthy that way. I don't know oh if you're talking gosh. about. When does Bo Nix enter the league? It seems like he's been in oh, college Bo Nix, for Bo Nix is years. part of the group they're talking about. Um, I think None of these sound like quarterbacks that I would be enthusiastic about my team taking. Well, you know. And since my team is going to take a quarterback, <laughs> but probably not bad I mean, enough that's, to get one of Well, you, are you going to lose Justin Jefferson too? Is he going to follow Kirk Cousins wherever he goes? They're best friends. You got to watch out. Hey, I don't need the Bears taking another UNC quarterback, though. Like, sorry, Drake May, I can't do that. You again. can't do the Trubisky thing again. No. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. There's, I, I kind of agree with you though, Shafe. There's, um, there's just really a cluster of quarterbacks after Drake May and Caleb Williams. I don't know that. I mean, I guess Shadur could come out. I don't know how people feel about him. I would take him over every other name mentioned besides Caleb Williams, probably. You take him over Drake May too. I yeah, maybe that one's like closer to a toss-up. Uh, but I I would definitely take him over JJ McCarthy. Are you kidding? Like that's. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I I, I would well, take. I don't. Him. I'm not insinuating that either of you like JJ McCarthy, but he's like one of those names you see in a first-round mock, and you're just like, uh, I 
I don't think so. I don't want anything to do. Uh, I think Quinn Ewers is in this draft. I think some people are high. Obviously, there's a talent level there. I don't know how people. I think some people are talking about him as a first round pick, though, as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a. I think, I think we're trying to make ourselves believe that this is a good quarterback first round draft. Yeah, so I quarterback play in the NFL is bad. I right. think there's two guys that people feel pretty good about. I think there's one guy that people feel really good about. I think there's another guy people feel pretty good about, and then there's a group of guys, and that second group, which is probably mostly second and third round guys, if we're being realistic in uh, any other position, they're all going to get talked. People are going to talk themselves into taking half of those guys in the first round. Uh, but I don't know I don't know that you look at this group after the top two and say, hey, this is a – I think it's maybe a deep quarterback class. I don't know how good of a quarterback class it is, if that makes mm. sense. Oh. All right. Well, that's exciting. I can look forward to Christian Ponder 2.0. <laughs> uh, Listen, uh, I, I remember sitting there. Oh, goodness, so that I was, pick. Um, so, Shafe, I was, I was covering the draft for um, – covering is a loose term – for Bleacher <laughs> Report at the time. And I'm watching this thing happen, and keep in mind, I watch a lot of Florida State football, and it, it shocked me, shocked me that somebody was like, yeah, Christian Ponder, first round. That mm -hmm. makes sense. Yep. Was, yeah, well, here's the thing, <laughs> and I don't know that it makes it come across any better. Who they really wanted was Jake Locker. So. <laughs> yeah, that's worse, probably. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I well, because there was the run on quarterbacks in that class, and it was, right. it was Jake Locker as Christian Ponder. I'm trying to remember who Blaine else. Gabbert, Blaine Gabbert, Cam Newton, oh, and then Blaine Gabbert. The fifth one taken was Colin uh, Kaepernick. In the yeah, so Gabbert slid right to seven. Seven. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember how far he slid, but yeah. So that was another one of those. Hey, we've got a great quarterback class, and where exactly did that get anyone? Um, yeah. So. You know, it's always – I feel like we do this a lot with quarterbacks. It's like, oh, it's a great class or it's a terrible class. Well, guess what? None of us know anything about quarterback play in terms of what it's actually going to look like. That's the – We tend to guess wrong. Yeah, I mean, everybody does. I mean, look, Anthony Rezac still doesn't have an offer. But um, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> Got to get it in where I can fit it in, right? Shafe, if you want to write that down, that's the second time on the bingo card. So just uh, write that down. To be fair, me. somebody else – Cody brought – or no, Dan brought it up the first time. So. Yeah, but you also <laughs> – you know, stir that pot. Like the, it may have been the chicken broth to the soup, but you brought every other ingredient. That that might be fair. Um, Shafe, let's uh, let's start with Nebraska and Illinois. Looking back last week, it's been uh, there's been kind of a wide range, at least from the people I've talked to, of opinions about that game. Some people, I don't want to say they're angry about it, but they're kind of frustrated about how it looked, and then. I'm kind of in the camp of, hey, you can't complain about road wins in conference. Those are all like those all count as as much as anything. So I guess where did you land as you kind of process that game and you talk to people? Was it more kind of frustrated about how ugly it was or just kind of happy to get a, a road win in conference? I think it, at least in the conversations I've had, I think it's been a lot of both. I mean, I, I think people would have liked Nebraska to just take control of the game. The opponent's just giving you, uh, you know, and put somebody away. I, I think a lot of it was that, right? Like that result was still pretty much in doubt until the end of the game. And Nebraska was in control of that game pretty much from the fourth down stop on. And yet it never felt like they got to just put an opponent away. And one of the hallmarks of kind of the Scott Frost era 
was that they didn't put opponents away. I mean, and so I think this fan base would like nothing more than to just see Nebraska show up, play clean, put a team away when you have that opportunity. But that's not who they are. I mean, I so I, I think that gets into the second part of this. Most of the fans that that I am at least engaging with are more than happy to tell you that this is a deeply flawed team. Mm -hmm. So with that being the case, you can't really be that upset about getting a win on the road against a team that, yeah, you think you're better than. And I think Nebraska, I thought coming into the game, the wrong team was favored. Um, I just think Illinois is about as bad as you're going to find in the big 10 West this year, which is, you know, a lot of these teams. So I, I like Nebraska's chances going into that game. I thought that they had ample opportunity to put it away and just weren't able to, so I think some of the annoyances from that, mm -hmm. I think Matt rule is still paying the price for saying um, things like we hope to become a good fourth quarter football team to which people just took to mean we're already a good fourth quarter football <laughs> team. We'll make no mistakes ever again. Uh, you know, and then I like, here's, here's where it is for me. There was times on the field Friday where Nebraska had its backup quarterback. It's fourth string running back. Wide receivers six, seven, and eight. Mm -hmm. You know, Thomas Fedoni and Nate Borkercher, uh, whichever one is tight end one or tight end two for you, and their offensive line. And it's like you have to at least acknowledge this hasn't gone remotely to plan on offense. Like, so and you're three and three. Yeah, it's hard to sit here and be too upset about things when you're back to 500 and you don't have a single one of your starting skill position players on the field on a critical down against Illinois on the road like so it's it, it clearly hasn't gone how they have hoped so they've had to adjust this thing as as the season has continued to roll on and to me that should be a feather in the cap of the coaches for being able to adapt to what has been a horrific start to the year but around here because excuses have been more plentiful than wins I think people are are sort of tired of that mm. they just want to see wins mm. and even now when you get a win it doesn't even really feel like it counts because nobody gets to feel good after that. Right. It's just a cycle of, uh, of mediocrity and the backlash to it, I think is sort of some of the anger that you got out of people on Friday night. So we, I guess what we move toward now during the bye week is figuring out what needs to be cleaned up, what needs to be tightened up. What is number one on that list for you, Shave? Yeah. And I look, I understand what Matt Rule said after the game. I understand that he's mad and he's talked to the conference and that this is happening. If they can't curtail the false starts and the procedural penalties, well, like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. I, there, there's no excuse for any of this. Like, mm -hmm. I don't – I can accept what he's saying. I can acknowledge that that would be difficult, and yet I can watch other teams around the league not jump off sides five times in a game – or, excuse me, have a false start five times in a game. Get, get lined up, you know, like, so it's the fact that we're in game seven of this season and we are still seeing a Nebraska team struggle to line up and get a snap off without a pre-snap penalty or just having guys lined up correctly. But that's a little bit frustrating. And there's, to me, there's no element of excuse for it. Like those, that's something you can control. You can't control that you have to play your number seven wide receiver, or your number four running back, or whatever it is, mm -hmm. number five running back in some cases. Uh, um, you can't necessarily control that. You can control your ability to line up and play football as you're instructed to do. And I just think too many of their mistakes on offense are sometimes self-inflicted, that if you clean some of that up, 
this team is, is hardly capable of getting you 325 yards on a normal night. Don't make them try to get you an additional five yards every third play. You know, like that's just, that's not a recipe for success. So to me, that's something they can absolutely control and should be getting better at. And it doesn't feel like they are at this point. Shafe, so if, if it's your, the head coach during this bye week, you're focusing way more on cleaning things up versus maybe trying to get Heinrich Harburg more comfortable. I mean, maybe you can do both. I, I guess my question is how much do you think can reasonably be accomplished in the bye week, whether it's even just trying to clean those things up, which I assume they've been working on since fall camp. I guess just what's a reasonable expectation of, of yeah. change and adjustment in a single week? I don't tend to look at the bye week as an opportunity to really revolutionize what you're doing. Um, and maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. But to me, and especially in college, the bye week is an opportunity to sort of like reset where you're at mentally, give yourself a little bit of a break and get prepared for the final six weeks of the season, physically give yourself somewhat of a break. But I mean, I, I tend to believe that six weeks into the season, you sort of are the version that you're going to be, at least from a schematic standpoint. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's anything that's going to occur in a two-week stretch that's going to allow Heinrich Harburg uh, to, to come out and start playing a position in a way that um, is just going to get everybody on board with it. Like, I think you're, there's going to be an element of his game that sort of feels like it's somehow both at its best and worst when he has to freestyle a play. Uh, you know, And there's times where Friday was tough because I think the conditions played into it. But there was times on Friday where he had to, to work through progressions and he made the right read, mm -hmm. you know. And so it's not we're, – we're seeing competent quarterback play from him at times. Um, but it just – it's also hard because there's no margin for error. There's no one else that he can really rely on. So I guess I don't, I don't know what I would expect to change in those two weeks, uh, you know. And we'll see if, if this isn't an opportunity for them to try to roll Jeff Sims back into the picture. I mean, depending on where that ankle is at that is mobility because to me if he's not able to move um with his feet you got to keep playing Heinrich Harburg like I just think that that's the biggest thing um I don't I don't care if his arm might be slightly better it doesn't it, this offense lives and dies on the quarterback run game and it will for the next six weeks so you're gonna need both of those guys at some point Shafe I, I I'm reading a comment that just came in and uh Shane, can you pull up that last comment uh, from, from Dion? He said, I think Frost leftovers are not very intelligent. And, like, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to, like, strike it that much in, in regards to incompetency, but maybe we twist the question this way. Um, can the ugliness also be attributed that it isn't fully like Matt Rule's team that he created from scratch? Or, you know, once he does get all the bodies that he recruited in the room – do you think all the, that stuff will kind of figure itself out? Or is that something you just have to work through in college football? I think it's something that you just end up working through. I mean, some of it stems from, like, if you look at the people that are in the positions that they're in, like those names I all rattled off. That was the fifth college football game for Heinrich Harbor. That mm -hmm. was the first real snaps for Emmett Johnson in a meaningful situation. Same for Jaden Doss and Malachi Coleman. Alex Bullock's is like his sixth. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of inexperience there. And yet some of where these mistakes are coming from are from some of your offensive linemen that have been, you know, in plenty of college games have been around the block. So some of it is inexperienced. Some of it is lackadaisical. I think it all kind of works together. Um, I think that they are 
uh, at a bit of a talent deficit on offense. And so to me, that's what makes those penalties even more frustrating. Like you have, like you have less of a margin that you can just give away yards and other teams. So you have to be better in, I guess, in the margins, if you will, you like you Nebraska needs to win the penalties battle more often than not, because mm-hmm. they don't have the offense that can just get those yards back easily. Like they, they have more to gain by playing clean football than a team with a more competent offense. So all that to say, like, there's a lot that works into this. Uh, I don't know that it's just a competency thing, um, but a lot of it to me is just a combination of inexperience, talent, maybe some uh, lackadaisicalness on, on the fundamentals of what you're supposed to do. And a lot of it is they're a transition program. They're playing like a transition program. This isn't what I expect Nebraska football to look like in 2024 or 2025. But it's what it looks like when you're just trying to get the six wins on a schedule where it's right there in front of you and you're doing everything you can just to have more points than the other team. And I, I can accept that being ugly and I can accept that not being what the program's going to look like, but they still have to get better in the things that they could do. Shafe, uh, wanted to ask you about what the recruiting looks like during this bye week. I assume that's where a lot of the emphasis will be in terms of what they're trying to accomplish along with what they're trying to get done with their own team. Um, what does the recruiting schedule look like for some of these guys? And, and I guess are you expect in uh, any kind of visits or, or anything like that on the horizon? Yeah, I think the interesting thing, and I, I'll be a hundred percent honest. It's not like I have the, the schedule of what they're going to do in front of me. So this is some, some, slightly educated hypothesis as to what might happen this week. Sure. But the, the single thing that I'm going to be most focused on is, are we going to see them pop up with new targets or is a lot of this week getting out, seeing some of your commits, making sure those guys still feel good about things, getting down to Miami where Ja'Cory Barney has a visit to Arizona in November. And uh, you know, he's been going to the university of Miami off and on uh, for, for visits. I mean, is it, is it as simple as just getting down there and making sure a kid that's going to be an early enrollee is locked in with you because you need Ja'Cory Barney in January in order to help your offense move forward? Uh, is it getting down to, to Lancaster and, and visiting Kawan Lacey where, oh, by the way, Lane Kiffin on his bye week just happened to stop by the school mm-hmm. on Monday? You know, so some of it to me is making sure that you're re-recruiting Carter Nelson. Are we going to see him on the sidelines at, at uh, USC, Notre Dame? There seems to be some belief that that's a possibility. So some of this week to me is making sure your house is in order, um, more so than maybe trying to find some new players on the horizon. Now, you can do two things at once. You can get to these spots when we're talking about going to Miami and Dallas. Guess what? There's a lot of other schools that you can hit there, too. And you can see some 25s and 26s and, and of that nature. I'm not expecting a lot of new 24s to appear. But as soon as I say things like that, Matt Rule <laughs> to find a guy under a rock in Texas that nobody's seen that 24-7 sports analysts fall in love with. So, I mean, I, I, I should know better than to say those types of things. But I am anticipating this to be more of a uh, clean up what your, your house kind of looks like and then transition a little bit to 25s and 26s. Shafe, I'm curious, with the 2024 class sitting where it's at at 26 commits, how big are you expecting this class to get? Is it kind of just, hey, they'll find whatever guys they like and figure out the numbers later, I guess? What, what are you expecting this final class to look like? Yeah, you know, with the way that this is set up, I think a lot of it is just take what you want and then figure out the numbers as you need to. And mm-hmm. so 
you know, they took some developmental chances in the last class. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys move on pretty quickly if it is apparent that they're not going to be able to play wide receiver or defensive back or something based on, you know, just athletic guesses of them. So I would look for this to be a class in the 30s. I think there's still a few more high school guys they want. And then, of course, they're going to have to get involved in the transfer portal, too. And we're just kind of in that age where, you know, that 25 number just means nothing anymore. So uh, they'll take what they want and they'll they'll try to shoehorn it into the roster as they need to. You can extend out scholarships with NIL easier than ever now. Mm-hmm. And we've seen them do that already. That's Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7 Sports. Schaefer, we appreciate it as always. We'll catch you again next week. Thanks, Schaefer. All right, guys. Have a good one. Try, good and, from you. try and stay busy out there, Schaefer. I know it's – Try and stay busy. That guy? It's that time of year. I don't think he has to try. Well, try he and – He just stays. He does stay busy. He's, he's, a, he's a grinder, as they call him, getting all that recruiting buzz for you. We appreciate Schaefer as always. All right, coming up next here on Herd Out Sports Radio, we've got half hour left on the show. I'm sure we'll get into something. That's Andrew <laughs> Rogers. I'm Ravi Lula. Or more coming up next.